What are you doing? Oh, hi. Uh, I'm Kat Edison. We're just taking a break. We've been... Loitering? Uh... I live in this building, and I know for a fact that you do not. You're right, we don't. Right, we were just canvassing the neighborhood. More like casing it. That selfie was a picture of my security system. I'm sorry, I, I'm actually running for city council. I, I live in this neighborhood. Yeah, I find that hard to believe. And why is that? Okay, okay, fine. Just um, show me your phone. Show you my phone? Yeah. Why would I give you my phone? Well, if you're just taking a selfie and not taking a picture of my security system, just hand over your phone or just show it to me. I don't have to give you my well, phone. Well, I think you do. Actually, actually, property, well, a problem here? Yeah. These two were lounging in front of my building taking photos, and there have been a lot of robberies here. Robberies? Are you suggesting that our friends had something to do with that? Look, I just asked them a simple question, and, and they started harassing me. Harassing you? Yeah. We were explaining that we were canvassing. Which is perfectly legal. Yeah, well, loitering is not legal. Yeah, but this is not about the loitering, right? This is about you being uncomfortable with two black women on your block. Right. Are you calling me a racist? Just telling it how I see it. I'm calling the police. The police? That is yeah. entirely I'm unnecessary. You don't need for you to be doing this right now. Yeah, I think we should go. I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, I'd like to report the case. We're leaving. They didn't even do anything. This is insane. We should go. We're leaving right now. Okay, we're leaving. Guys, we have to leave. We're going. This is The Bold Talk, the podcast where we discuss every episode of The Bold Type week by week. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. And I'm Sam Saff. This week we are discussing Season 3, Episode 7, Mixed Messages, which was written by Wendy Straker-Hauser and Nikita T. Hamilton, and directed by Yuri McLeod. So before we begin discussing this week's episode, we have some listener mail. What? It was sent to our P.O. box. That doesn't exist. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wonder how they found it then. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure either. Okay, it was actually an Instagram direct message. But, <laughs> <laughs> but this makes it sound more official if we say P.O. box. So I'm going to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> so this is from our listener, Ruth. So in the past, we have been discussing about what age the characters are and what year it is and everything like that. So Ruth decided to chime in and noted that early in season one, Sutton mentions to Richard that she graduated into the worst economy thanks to your generation, your meaning Richard's. In regards to that, Ruth said, I assume from that that she graduated from college somewhere around 2008 to 2010, which would make her closer to 30 in 2019. What do you think about that? (laughs) So actually, this episode, I think, kind of debunks it. Because um, when they're talking about Richard turning 41, they say that she's 15 years younger than him. So, well, we know that she, we always knew that she was 26 and he was 40. I feel like Sutton just made a comment about the economy that probably wasn't correct. Because I feel like Ruth is on the right path that 2008 was a terrible time for the economy. Yeah. (laughs) But if not, I, I don't know. I understand where Ruth is coming from, but I don't think it's that concrete that it would have to be those years. Yeah. And plus, like, the economy has been, you know, the economy has been pretty fucked up for quite a few years. Uh, it was still, I'd say it still is fucked up, honestly. I still think we can make the argument that Sutton graduated sometime around 2014. Because you're 26, right? And you graduated in 2014. Right. Yeah. I, I just think that the bold type didn't, didn't think that all through. <laughs> 
I feel like they got excited about certain lines and some certain plot points and this and that, and just that got lost in the sauce, so to speak. Yeah. Well, then again, wait a minute. Sun graduated in 2014. That actually wouldn't make sense either, because, you know, she was probably working at Scarlet for a couple months at that point, so... I, this timeline overwhelms me. Like straight up gives me anxiety. I cannot figure out why it's so difficult. The writers just weren't thinking about it at the end of the night. Yeah, so Ruth, we hear you, but <laughs> but honestly, I, I don't think that there's enough evidence in either direction. They've explicitly pretty much said that she's 26, so I guess we just gotta go with that. Yeah. Even though the math wouldn't add up either way so whatever um i, I would like to continue having this conversation <laughs> but it's making me anxious so seriously so i mean ruth feel free to continue to send us some some messages or any listener some- <laughs> ruth is our only listener <laughs> based on messages i guess so so everybody else you know get involved all right then. <laughs> Let's jump into mixed messages, which is much like what the bold type writers are sending us with the generation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, that, that actually took me a second. <laughs> it wasn't exactly clear either. It's okay. So when the episode kicks off, we see that Jane, Cat, and Sutton have pretty varying sex lives. Cat just got to first base with Tia. Jade is hitting a grand slam or triple play or whatever with pinstripe. Meanwhile... Sutton is warming the bench, looking at the field from afar, not even in the game, with Richard. And the reason why I am pointing this out is because, and I'm jumping like way ahead to the end of the episode at this point, the characters begin in one place, but then by the ends, they're in the exact opposite place with their sex lives, because we see Kat. Kat basically hits a home run with Tia by the end of the episode. Jane ends up realizing that she's using sex as a way to avoid her feelings about pinstripe leaving, which that's something else that we can get into later on. And um, Sutton and Richard just end up having sex at the end of the episode, just in general. And it's romantic, and they're opening up to each other. And it looks like there's some whipped cream involved. Yeah, which I want to know, what was she planning to do with that whipped cream? I have a few thoughts, but I feel like... I don't know. I mean, I, we all know what she was going to do with it. I'm talking about... <laughs> they were both fully clothed at that point. She still needs to get out of her dress. Oh God, that's such a good point. <laughs> she literally, like, scoops it up with her hands. What was she going to do with it? She's like, okay, at first Richard. I thought, yeah, at first I thought she was going to eat it, you know? Just yeah, because, like, there's, there's cake, and I mean... Who doesn't want to eat some cake? I don't know. I was, it, it definitely threw me off. But yeah, she was fully clothed in a kind of complicated dress that's not that easy to get off. Yeah, exactly. Like. So, I mean, she could be fully clothed if she wants to like lick it off of Richard or something like that. But still, Richard has to, you know, Richard has to get his clothes off too. And it's not like, it's not like she can help him now. She can't help him take his clothes off. I know you're very concerned for Richard in this situation. She, she literally would like have to go into the bedroom and be like, oh, hey, honey, take off all your clothes. See this like big pack of like ice in my hand right now? Take off your clothes. I'm going to rub it on you. You just have to, I just have to stare at you. Which that could be, actually, that could be hot. Yeah, I was going to say that that doesn't sound terrible. And <laughs> you know what? We know that they have a pretty creative sex life so who knows true but i would just say like i would get you know i would get out of our clothes first and then get the ice in okay well thank you for that that's good advice yes so <laughs> the next time i order a cake for 25 people and it ends up only being two people and i decide to use the cake for other reasons i will make sure i am naked prior 
say. I'm changing the world with my advice here. It's groundbreaking. <laughs> Seriously. That was a really good point, though. I was like, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I mean, I've watched the episode four times at this point as of this recording. So I feel like, you know, there's only so many places where my mind can wander. <laughs> yeah, after a while, you're just like, is this even possible? Does this make sense? <laughs> so kind of shifting gears to Jane. Uh, we see in the beginning of the episode that Jane, Sutton, and Kat are essentially interrogating potential roommates. <laughs> um, and I was kind of happy that the one girl was just like, yeah, I, I'm going to go. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I personally think it's a little strange for Jane to have her two friends there for the interview. Yeah. Especially because they're not living there. <laughs> they're like, do all three of you live here? No. But their opinion matters. <laughs> But, like, why? <laughs> exactly. So we see that Jane's struggling to find a roommate. And when they go into the office the following day, I guess, because time-wise, nobody ever knows, she finds out that Alex, who's chilling in his sweatpants at work, which I respect, had his ceiling collapse and needs a place to live. With that in mind, Sutton pretty much just jumps right in and is like, well, why don't you two live together? And they're like, okay, we, we got to go and kind of avoid it, but end up eventually realizing that that probably is a good situation because Alex really only needs a place temporarily and Jane needs a roommate immediately. And they decide to take a roommate compatibility test that Sutton failed, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if we tried to take a test like that. I don't think it would have worked out. I think that we would have failed. I mean, we did argue a lot as roommates. So. <laughs> but just on paper, I feel like we're totally different. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I personally thoroughly enjoyed living with you, but you oh, know, same. We also, don't get me wrong. You know, we were also in a really small apartment, and we spent a lot of time in that apartment together. So yeah, but on paper, definitely we think like these two people want to get along. <laughs> yeah. Like you are not compatible. <laughs> yeah, it's when you think about like the superficial things. Like I don't know, like take like it I'm a morning s- person and you're a night person. Yeah, exactly. You don't care about dishes being in the sink or taking the recycling out. <clears throat> oh my god, whatever. <laughs> For all of our listeners, that was probably our biggest argument (laughs) as roommates was Jeremy just would not take out the recycling because he kept forgetting or whatever the case may be. Because I kept, okay, so so where a recycling place was, it was like, you had to like walk behind the building and everything. And I always kept saying like, oh, I'll take it out before I go to class. But then when I'm downstairs, it's like, well, that means I have to bring up the recycling bin back up to the apartment. And that's just a little bit of inconvenience. So then I became the one who had to be inconvenienced all the time because I always <laughs> did it. <laughs> I vacuumed the apartment. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I always ran the dishwasher. What are you talking about? I, I did things. Not- I was just, you know, I'm not, Jeremy, I was just trying to relate to the quiz that they took. Okay, you know what? <laughs> Whatever. We're gonna, all right, we're you know what? what? We should just take a quiz yeah, and yes. figure this out. <laughs> But, let's move uh, on to the actual plot of this episode. Yeah, yeah let's let's talk about uh, the actual characters on the show. So anyway, the idea of Alex living there, Jane brings it up to Pinstripe, and Pinstripe is kind of weird about it, and he seems like he's just really not okay with it. And Jane kind of thinks that it's because he's jealous because it would be a guy living there, because he didn't seem that bothered by her trying to find a female roommate. Alex ends up coming anyway to move in, and when they arrive, Pinstripe has this beautiful candlelit dinner going on, and rose petals, and all this nice stuff, and some wine poured, and it was kind of weird, because he didn't expect to see Alex, and essentially he ends up leaving angrily, and the next morning, Alex says, well, what if Ryan thought you were going to ask him to move in? And it kind of gives Jane a little more perspective. 
So Jane ends up realizing that Pinstripe was feeling jealous, but not because Alex was a guy, but because Alex gets to live with her and he was sort of hoping he would be asked. So Jane realizes that she picked Alex because he's a temporary roommate and she thinks that she may have subconsciously actually wanted Ryan to move in. Blah, blah, blah. Pretty much it ends up being a cute moment (laughs) between the two of them. I don't know how really else to say it. It's just like they kind of realize like, yeah, I guess we both do want to live together. So... Yay! But Ryan is going on an eight and a half week book tour, so he will be gone for a bit. Yes, he will be. One of the things I wonder, though, like you notice at the at the very ends, they're um, entranced by their work. Like Pinstripe gets a message from his agent or editor or whatever, and then Jade gets a message from Jacqueline about the Pamela Dolan investigation, which we'll talk about later. And I don't know, does it just seem like there might be a little bit of trouble in paradise there? Yeah, I mean, I think they've been hinting at it pretty much in the last few episodes. You're right. That was really telling. Yeah. And I know in the last episode that Jane told Pinstripe, like, no matter what I'm going through, I will always celebrate your success. But I don't know. Like, I don't know if I 100% buy it because, you know, every time Pinstripe keeps mentioning something about his book tour, it just seems like she keeps like going back like, oh, but more about me. Let's talk about me. So I don't know if she's like really like as excited for him as she wants to be. Well, I also think there was a conversation when they were talking about the roommate quiz, the compatibility test that she was going to take with Alex and Pinstripe was like, you're going to base it off of a Scarlet quiz. And Jane was like, I wrote that quiz. So I kind of feel like Jane's might be feeling a little, I don't want to say jealous, but like a little insecure about all of Ryan's success. His comment kind of made it seem like he might be like downplaying what she's doing. Yeah. Did did you get that vibe? Yeah, I I didn't think about it, but now that you pointed out, yes, I do get that. Yeah, so I don't know. I think you're right. I think there is going to be some trouble moving forward. But I am not opposed to, like, Alex being a bigger part of the show. You know what? Okay, yeah. That was my one thing. I am loving the idea of Alex and Jane living together. Yeah, seriously. I mean, he made, like, Jamaican, what, Jamaican blend coffee and (laughs) poured the cream and everything. Like, he grinds the coffee beans himself. I mean, come on. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really great, like, odd couple dynamic. I'm really interested in seeing this happen, and then obviously Alex will be more part of the show now, just like you said, so who knows, maybe we'll see more of Alex's personal life as well, maybe we'll see, like, some of his friends come into the apartment, who knows what'll happen at this point. Yeah, and also with Pinstripe being gone, I feel like that's gonna play a factor. Not to say that she, that Jane and Alex are gonna be together or anything like that, but I think it might, something might happen in that sense, like, I think Pinstripe is gonna start feeling some type of way. Yeah, like, I imagine, like, what if, um... Jane and Pinstripe are having a Skype conversation or something, and then Alex, like, walks by the camera, and he's shirtless. Like, that could make Pinstripe, like, a little bit insecure, maybe uncomfortable. Yeah, I definitely think this isn't the end of this whole conversation. Yeah, I don't- yeah, like you said, I don't think anything's going to happen between Jane and Alex. Like, I don't know, I just feel like that would be so tropey if the two of them ended up becoming a couple out of this or something. I just don't think that's where the story's gonna go. Yeah, no, I think they're just gonna realize that they're pretty compatible as friends. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's kind of my vibe, but we'll see. Um, but the other one I want to ask you, why do you think Pinstripe was okay with with it being a stranger moving in with Jane, but not necessarily Alex? That's a tough question to answer because I don't think it makes sense that he would be okay with the stranger. I kind of feel like that's a plot hole. Uh, see, okay. I thought that at first. 
But again, I'm going to say this again. This is my fourth time watching the episode at this point. (laughs) So what do you think then? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it's just the idea, like, he was okay with Jane moving in with a stranger. Because it's like, okay, no big deal. She just needs a roommate. But here's Alex coming along. Alex already does have a semi-close relationship with Jane. Because of the fact that they work together and whatnot. So it just seems like Pinstripe felt a little bit insecure because it was like, oh, you chose somebody else that you're somewhat close to but you're not choosing me your boyfriend who you're very close to so i feel like he felt like he was second fiddle in that regard and i don't feel like he would even be alex i feel like let's say if there was let's say if it was like sage or andrew or somebody like that i feel like pinstripe would still feel equally insecure okay that's fair i'll buy that i'm saying random people like sage and andrew just because like if it was if something was moving back in our cat was moving or was moving in in general like i don't think pinstripe would even care it's like oh whatever they're best friends Right. But I feel like it's sort of like, hey, you're choosing a casual work acquaintance over me. And yeah. I don't know. I feel like I can understand his insecurity about that. I can understand it. I'm also like curious, how long have they been dating? Because Jane says like, it's been like, it's too soon. But like, how long are they supposedly have been dating? They were. Okay. So as of the season premiere, they were together for six weeks. Oh, yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, they've known each other for longer than that, of course. Yeah, but it's different to know someone and to know someone romantically. Honestly, then again, who knows, though? Like, we also saw Pinstripe publish a book, and we know that probably, that takes a while. I mean, I don't know. I've never published a book before, but it probably does take a while. But also, this was Sutton and Richard's first birthday together, so that kind of threw me off, too. It was their first birthday together, really? They said that? They said it was the first time, yeah, yeah, they said that. I thought they said it was the first time since his dad died. No, they said it was the first birthday with them together. And then at the end, like toward the end, he was like, he was like, if the first of many birthdays together with you. Oh, but, but then again, you know, they've been on and off. So who knows? They could have been broken up during a birthday or two. But how long are they supposedly supposed to have been together? <laughs> Sam, who knows? I'm, I'm sorry. I just, the timeline <laughs> thing throws me off so much and it keeps coming back up. But. But I don't know. I I understand why Pinstripe would feel disappointed or a little, like, insecure. But I also don't think that Jane is that wrong for not seeing it. You know what I mean? Not seeing it, I mean. Like, not realizing that that's why he's upset. Mm, Right. Just because it is really soon and, like, she did explicitly like say to him i don't understand why you're upset about alex and they, you know i'm a big believer in like closed mouths don't get fed like if you don't say it how is she supposed to know all the time like what is going on right so i don't know I- i'm kind of on jane's side with that and i sort of think that like it's perfectly fine for them to not live together yet yeah i definitely don't think they should live together either i think it's way too soon though i mean i do know a lot of couples who do move in pretty quickly and they have stayed together and have longevity in their relationships i'm just saying for me personally i don't think i can live with somebody that quickly yeah i mean jonathan and i here i go bringing up jonathan um (laughs) pretty much we're living together from the beginning but he still had his own place kind of like what jane and pinstripe do anyway but the idea of him leaving his other place to exclusively live in my house was kind of a touchy thing for a bit and it did take like a full year for us to say we were going to do that i mean to each their own i'm not you know i'm not judging anybody but i'm just saying i don't think jane was in the wrong for being a little confused yeah and i think pinstripe was a little bit conflicted too at the end of the day let's like oh he does want to live with her but he does you know he knows that it's too soon yeah he did seem like he understood that yeah they they both understood it but i feel like at the end of the day i feel like they want to 
they want to be together, hopefully for the rest of their lives, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, that's kind of the idea. Yeah, so I feel like they both want that, but they just, you know, they're in this, like, awkward place right now where they're just trying to figure that out. Yeah, we'll see what happens when he gets back from his tour or what happens while he's on his book tour. All right, let's talk about your other favorite boyfriends. Oh, yes, Richard. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, Richard's 41st birthday is coming up and Sutton is throwing him a small party of about 10 people. But throughout the whole planning process of it, Richard is kind of being avoidant. He doesn't really seem thrilled about the party at all. And he and Sutton are not really having sex, which... Seems like a kind of a rare thing for them. Something that doesn't typically happen often. So, um, I love when Sutton whips out her vibrator. It was just like, it's just you and me, kid. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. <laughs> I posted that on social media today. And, I, you know, and for my own personal profile, I did a whole, like, laugh react <laughs> to the Bold Talks Facebook account just because, I don't know, I felt like a narcissist because I'm the one who posts it. But like, oh my god, my post was so funny. <laughs> I did. I'm like, this is so funny. And I put the caption, weekend plans. Ah, okay. I got the notification, but you know, I'm not on social media enough. I will see it soon. And I'm going to give it a ha- laughing face as well. Cool beans. Um, but <laughs> so Richard goes on his morning runs um, and he was running with a group of guys. So Sutton decides that she feels like Richard's a little down and wants to invite the people he runs with to the party as well to kind of make the party bigger, closer to 20, 25 people. And she gets in touch with them and finds out that he's actually not running with them. And of course, that raises some concerns for her. And when she brings that up to Richard, Richard pretty much is like, you know what, let's just like not have the party at all. It was like very abrupt. You know, he's just like, I just I don't really want the party. So she ends up canceling it. And Jacqueline comes to her and gives her a bit of a pep talk and, you know, asks her what's going on and says, you know, Richard doesn't really talk about his dad after his dad has passed. It's been about a year now. And she brought up her own story with her son, Connor, who likes to go to the batting cages and didn't really open up until she started going to the batting cages with him. So the idea was meet him halfway. So Sutton goes and runs with Richard, finds out that he doesn't run the same route that he used to run, which was passing the duck pond. And Sutton makes this connection. There should have been like a light bulb above her head when she has this epiphany (laughs) that his dad used to take him to the duck pond. And that's why he's avoiding running by the duck pond and why he stopped running with those guys because he didn't want to run that path anymore. So basically Sutton and Richard have a heart to heart. Just say, you know, it's okay. You know, it's okay that you're grieving, but I'm here for you and you can open up to me if you'd like. And she ends up opening up about her own father, which we've never heard about Sutton's dad before. Yeah, that was a revelation there. Yeah, so she said she's met him once. He left when she was really young and... She met him when she was 12, and he apparently was very nice and funny, but wrote her a few letters saying he'd be back when she turned 13 and never came back. So that was her father experience, and Richard didn't have a great relationship with his father, but they did make time on on his birthday. So that's why this is all triggering for him. And flash forward to the 25-person cake that she (laughs) forgot to uh, cancel when she canceled the party. If I was there, that cake would not feed 25 people. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm like, okay, like, that's, like, a weekend's worth of cake, I feel like. <laughs> For, like, three people, two people, even. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. I was about to say, like, I could probably eat that whole cake by myself, but, like, maybe two weeks, hypothetically, the cake would probably go bad after two weeks, but. Well, you can you freeze know. it. You can freeze what? it. 
You could yeah, freeze the right. cake. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You freeze yeah. it. So, yeah, you know, so. whatever. 25 people. I'm like, pfft. Whatever. Um, one thing I want to point out about this storyline is that Katie Stevens, she did like an Instagram Q&A the day after this episode aired. And um, one person, at, or they didn't really ask anything, they just made a statement. This person said, I love how we got to see vulnerability in stronger, quote unquote, characters Richard and Ryan. And then Katie Stevens responded and said, I think it's important to show that men too can be vulnerable and they don't need permission. Vulnerability and sensitivity are strengths, not weaknesses. Preach. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool to get to see Pinstripe and Richard be a little bit insecure, because it shows that, you know, it's okay for men to be vulnerable. Right, but you also see how he struggles to be open, just like Pinstripe also struggles to be open. Um, yeah. Which is probably related to us, our culture, which says that men aren't supposed to be so vulnerable. Yeah, they could be, yeah, they could be victims of toxic masculinity in this aspect, so... But they're breaking down the walls. Exactly. Thanks, thanks to these ladies. Yeah, the fact that they are being vulnerable is showing that, that, hey, it's okay. Yeah. So, I really love that. Now, we get a little bit of an update in the Pamela Dolan investigation, except it's not really an update, but... The, yeah, the story it, li- it's brought back up. The, <laughs> the storyline is continuing. Um, Before we get into that, though, I just want to say, like, I, I wonder, is this storyline going to blow up in one episode? Because I-, I just feel like there's just, we just get, like, little tiny tidbits in each little episode, in each episode so far. But nothing's really happening. <laughs> My guess is that eventually Pamela Dolan is going to find out about it, and that's when it's going to blow up. That's just my guess, because we haven't heard from her yet. We've only seen her in videos, but, like, we haven't gotten her perspective, so I feel like eventually, yeah. somehow, she's going to figure it out. I just really hope there's a big payoff in this uh, in this whole entire storyline. Like, maybe in the season finale or something, we'll see, like, this storyline, like, really get the credit it deserves. It probably will, because Jacqueline and Jane are working together, so for it to, like, come together at the end makes sense. Yeah. Or, like, you know, just just soon. I'm just, like, I'm really curious not to see what comes of this. Like, I really want to see, like, Pamela's all in, like, the character and see, like, how she reacts to the whole situation. So, I am curious. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll hear more from Cammy, but you should probably give that a uh, plot summary first. So, Jane walks into Jacqueline's office and provides a list of all the people who worked with... Pamela Dolan, all the people who worked at Scarlet, who also worked with Pamela Dolan. She gave the list to Jacqueline, and then she found somebody on the list, named Cammie. So when Cammie is brought to Jane's attention, Jane's like, oh yeah, let's bring her in. And then Jacqueline just interrupts, she says, Cammie goes by they and them, but that is a great idea. And I just loved how, like, understated, like, bringing up Cammie's pronouns was. And it's never mentioned again in the episode. That's true. Yeah, I just, I, I love that so much, which I feel like it's very, very important for representation. Something that should be noted at the, um, of this actor who plays Cammy. their name is Kay Alexander, and they actually are a non-binary performer. They're a musician, they're a YouTuber, they do tons of great things, so yeah, name is Kay Alexander, Kay like the letter, if you want to look them up. Oh. So, I thought that was really cool that they went out of their way to get, like, a real non-binary performer. Yeah, that is very cool. Yeah, I wonder, like, were they just looking for any actor, any gender for this role? And then they got Kay Alexander and were just like, oh, like, let's respect their pronouns. I'm just really curious about, like, the thought process behind it. If they were if they were looking for a non-binary performer specifically, I think that's amazing. I'm just, like, really curious about, like, how they put that into play. Because Kay Alexander in real life also goes by they and them. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I, I could see either outcome being, being the case, but I, I'm happy that they did just mention it and it didn't really come back up. 
Yeah, exactly. There wasn't like a big like, you know, plot line about like, you know, respecting their pronouns or anything like that. It was just like, hey, these are their pronouns. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised. Like the the bold type tends to hire like um performers in general who are women or non-binary. Like um Robert Lowry, who is the music supervisor for the show, he actually makes sure to only get music that's by women or non-binary musicians. Huh. I didn't know that. That's very cool. Yeah. I just found this out just like maybe like a week or two ago or something like that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did go out of their way to get a non-binary performer. Yeah, well, if they did, that's awesome. So Jacqueline and Jane talk to Cammie, and Cammie essentially says that Pamela abused the models mentally, emotionally, physically, and they also said that I think she gets off on a having power over women, and Jacqueline asked Cammie, is there any way you could tell us the models that signed these non-disclosure agreements? Because that's what Cammie did, panning out non-disclosure agreements. Just a little side note, too. I love that um, Cammy said, like, all I did was hand out NDAs, and then Jane comes in and says, non-disclosure agreements. Because, <laughs> thanks, Jane, I didn't know what an NDA was. Well, I guess some people don't. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was funny at the end of the day. <laughs> but Cammy says, like, no, I'm sorry, I can't reveal that to you. I'm not comfortable. Because... They essentially said that they don't want their career to be ruined or anything. And Jacqueline says, what if we get a list of models and then we bring them to you? And can you confirm whether or not they signed an NDA? And then Cammie was like, sure. And then that's pretty much it. And then we see that Jacqueline has a list of models. And so I'm guessing they're just going to bring them to Cammie and then they're going to have to confirm it. Yeah. One of the things I really liked about um about Cammy's arc, though, I feel like this explains like why a lot of people don't come forward in abusive situations, especially when there's people of power involved. Because I feel like that was especially prevalent, like in the during the Me Too movement, people were like, "Why didn't these people come forward earlier?" And honestly, I feel like this explains why, like you know, people don't want their careers to be ruined, and it sucks that they have to pay that sort of price. Yeah, and Cammy actually says like. They don't want to talk on the record because they are one of the few assistants of Pamela Dolan who is still in the industry. And I think that that speaks volumes as well, because when we talk about the Me Too movement, you know, women don't want to come forward because it will affect their career or will affect their status in whatever it is that they're doing. I thought it was a good parallel. Yeah, definitely. You know, you're already feeling a little bit of sympathy for not only Cammy but also the models who work under Cammy right now. It's like, of course I didn't come forward. Right. And then when you're being told to sign an NDA... You know, it does put more pressure on you to be quiet. Yeah, exactly. I want to know about this now. Like, if these models come forward to Scarlet to tell their story, but they did sign the NDA, can they even tell their story? I mean, technically, no, I don't think so. It kind of depends on what's in the agreement. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be like, oh, don't tell people about how you were mentally, physically, and emotionally abused. Right. So, I mean, there may be some some ways about it around that, but there's also strength in numbers. Um, And if you can get multiple people to come forward i feel like the nda won't matter as much yeah that's true i feel like it'd be a lot like if they only got one person to come forward it would probably be more difficult to validate the story but i'm pretty sure if they get like multiple models to come forward it could be like okay who gives a fuck about the non-disclosure agreement also like you know maybe they can look into the nda too and they can um have richard or somebody look into it and figure out like oh can these people come forward without having any trouble Right, and if there's ways around it in some way. I guess we'll see how that goes once exactly. Cammy confirms those models. All right. Are we ready to move on to the big storyline of this episode? 
Yes. So we see Kat and Tia are adorable, side note, um, <laughs> and that they're clearly like seeing one another pretty intimately at this point. But they are going canvassing in the neighborhood to try and get some support, get volunteers and get people on their side for the campaign. And they have Jane and Sutton as well helping them out. And Kat and Tia go off on their own and Jane and Sutton go off on their own. Much to Tia's dismay, though, she does not want to do that. I think that's important to note that she really would have preferred them to split up, but they end up working together. And after doing a lot of canvassing, they stop on a stoop and sit down and decide to take a selfie while this white woman comes up to the stoop and pretty much says, what are you doing here? This is my building and I know that you don't live here. And she wants to see the manager. Essentially. Um, and <laughs> she, she has a haircut. I'm just saying, gotta call it out. <laughs> and she's accusing them of taking the selfie as a cover up for actually taking a photo of the security system, which I mean, okay, that's ridiculous. But we've played the clip for you. So we don't need to get into f- huge detail on it. So Tia's recording the, the entire um, interaction. Meanwhile, Jane and Sutton come up and Sutton, of course, is like, is there a problem here? So thank you, Jane and Sutton, for using your white privilege to step in. Huge allies. Big respect. But essentially, the woman ends up saying she's going to call the police. I don't know what would have become of that, but that's pretty much where it ends. Tia's like, let's just leave. Let's just go. So they decide to leave. But Kat, being Kat, decides she wants to talk about it on social media. So she has Jane record her essentially explaining the experience. And Tia is adamant that she does not post it, but Kat does anyway. And Kat receives some negative feedback where people are kind of like, well, we want to see the woman. Like, we want to see if this really happened. We want to see what the interaction was. And if it's true, we want to know who did it so we can call her out. So she tries to get the video from Tia and Tia's pretty much like, no, I'm not going to give you the video. I only got the video to protect us um, in case she did call the police. But she says that if they post that video, then Kat's campaign will no longer be about Kat. It will be about that woman. And Kat and Tia essentially fight for most of the episode. You know, they're not really talking. Kat just says that, you know, Tia doesn't see eye to eye with her. She doesn't really understand her as well as she thought. But ultimately, Kat ends up getting the video from Tia. Reluctantly, Tia gives it over and pretty much says, like, you're going to ruin your campaign by doing this, but it is your campaign. So if you want the video, here you go. And Kat shows Patrick the video, which, hello, Patrick, way to show up for a few minutes. Um... (laughs) Because he wasn't in last week's episode, right? So we we haven't seen him for a bit. Um, (laughs) And naturally, in true Patrick fashion, he fucking loves the video and wants it all over social media. What's to call her? Canvassing Kathy or racist Rachel. Right. (laughs) Hopefully she has a name to work with. (laughs) Which we've all, I'm sure, are familiar with real life white women who are calling the cops on black people for ridiculous reasons. And they get nicknames like that. And Do they? I never noticed that. Oh, yeah, they do. Really? There's like names like Canvas and Kathy or well, Racist Rachel? Yeah, they're like um, Cookout Kathy or something. Like it was like. Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised like the way social media is. But like, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like I never noticed. I, I mean, I know about these stories, of course, but I never knew like people got like nicknames on social media. Yeah, some of them have really taken off. I just can't remember off the top of my head what they were called oh, but wow. really after getting patrick's reaction cat realizes that t is right you know that this will then make the campaign all about this woman and not about cat and her platform and what she's really standing for it'll just be about this one experience so she does end up going with tia not posting it and 
Instead, she ends up posting a video that says, the only person you need to know is Kat Edison, and starts focusing just on her own platform and not bringing that up again. What did you think about her not posting the video? Um, I feel like at first, throughout the episode, I kept thinking, like, why, why won't he just let her post the video? Like, it's no big deal. Expose this woman. But then, like, as soon as you see Patrick's reaction to it, where he says, like, oh, everybody's sure to know this woman's name. <laughs> That's where I started to realize, like, oh, that is the issue. Like, people will be focusing more on this woman and how she was, quote unquote, victimized, as opposed to Kat trying to fight the good fight here. Right. My first reaction was that it w- that she had to post the video because she posted the initial video explaining the incident. And I was like, you can't just explain the incident and then not follow through with the video. Because that's what really the comments were. People were like questioning the validity of what happened because there was no proof. Yeah, yeah. And so are you saying she should have posted it? No, I'm saying initially. Initially, that's okay. how I felt. Gotcha. Um, but I agree with you. Once I heard Patrick's reaction and like hearing Tia's explanation, I was like, okay, I get it. And by Kat not posting the video and instead just saying, no, I want you to know about me, not about this woman. She really was doing that. She was being bigger and better than the way other people tend to handle those situations. Because one, she is trying to be a councilwoman. And two, she does have to maintain her image also with Scarlett. I think she did the right thing. Right. Um, did you also notice there was one commenter who posted um, under Kat's first video? I forget exactly what it said, but it said something along the lines of, oh, you're making this a race issue. I can't believe you. Right. So, so I feel like even if Kat did post the um, video of that woman, that would only further empower people like that commenter. That's true. Into thinking like... Oh, this woman is victimized. And who knows? Like, this woman would get, probably get, like, a ton of interviews and whatnot about how she's not racist, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, okay, yeah, she had to be exposed, but I felt like it would have hurt Kat's campaign at the end of the day. It sucks that it would have. It sucks that Kat had to, like, you know, choose her words carefully, but it's just what she had to do at the end of the day. Yeah. And that is a real life struggle for people who are in the public eye especially minorities, because people are critiquing your every move. So Tia and Kat have sex. Yes. Yes, they do. (laughs) And while they are going at it, Kat gets a text. The text says, hey, I'm in town. Gallery opening. Would really love to see you. And it's from Adina. Fade to black. Dun, dun, dun. What do you think about this? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I don't care for it. Oh I, no, Sam, the Katina fandom already hates us. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not making friends here, but <laughs> I personally, I think it's really just a little soap opera-y for me. Not that there's anything wrong with soap operas, but that's not what the show is, and I just think it's, like, typical for Adina to suddenly come back now that Kat is happy with someone else. It's very cliche. Yeah, I feel like at the end of the day, it's very fan service-like to bring Adina into the fold when... She's clearly off the show. And and again, I feel like I always have to like choose my words carefully with like talking about Adina. Like I really do love Adina. I do. And I understand like what she represents to so many people who are underrepresented. But her character is sort of her character is gone at this point. Like her and Kat just aren't working out. No, and and that was also Adina's choice. Yeah, exactly. You know, we've been getting a lot of um, comments on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook about how, like, no, we don't want Tia together. I do not ship this couple. And I say, you know what? Keep shipping Kat and Adina. Like, you know, love what you love and don't apologize for it. 
both of us just think the storyline's kind of over. Yeah, I'm only talking about this strictly from the plots of the show. When we yeah. get into like the actual social aspect of it and you know who they're representing and that, I agree that I think someone like Adina should be on the show Yeah, because they're extremely underrepresented in the media. But I don't think that bringing her back in right now is really doing anything for that. It's just really making Kat have a bigger storyline. Besides her campaign. Yeah. Because, like, honestly, there's nothing else going on with Kat. Like, she's got Tia and her campaign, and that's great. I mean, what she's doing is awesome, but, like, they're probably just trying to spice it up a bit by adding Adina back in the mix. So then next week, we will see what happens. Yeah. I'm kind of excited just to see Kat get tempted by someone else when she's clearly happy in this current relationship. I think I'm most excited for Tia reaction to the whole thing Ooh, I, want, oh, I wasn't be- even thinking about just that. because tia you know is this is her first relationship with a woman and really her first time being her authentic self which is amazing but you know that can create more insecurities and i'm not sure how she's going to handle adina being in the mix again and adina being someone who's had many relationships and is still close friends with a lot of women she was with romantically she may not have an issue with this at all exactly uh, my head just went to a really big soap opera place. Do you wanna do you wanna know where it went? Where? So we know that Tia has kissed two girls in her entire life. What if one of them was Adina? Oh my god. <laughs> That's actually a great twist. I would, like, would not be mad about that at all. I don't see how it Adina. makes any sense, but it would still be really cool. Adina was one of her experiments. <laughs> And Adina is, like, that kind of woman who's, you know, very open and willing and awesome and true to herself, so she very well could have been. Yeah, that would be interesting. That'd be fucking crazy. I kind of want this to happen. (laughs) Now now I'm, like, rooting for this. Thanks, Jeremy. You're so welcome. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll find out in the next episode, so should we get into our breakdowns? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. What was your favorite part? Honestly, I think my favorite part was when, really, it was when Tia explained why it wasn't okay for Kat to post the video. I know it's kind of a lame thing because we, like, literally just talked about that, but that really was my favorite part because I think it was kind of eye-opening for me because, like I said in the beginning, I was like, post the video, like, get it out there. Yeah, Sam. You know, I just, I never want these people to get away with being racist and acting that way, but ultimately, I was really impressed with Tia and the way that she was able to articulate why that was wrong and why, you know, the better way to handle it. Yeah. And I feel like I really like Tia just because she's not afraid to challenge Kat. Yeah. And Kat doesn't typically get challenged. Yeah, exactly. I feel like Tia's much tougher on her than what Adina has been. Like, I don't know. Can you name a time when Adina was really tough on Kat for something that she did? No. Hmm. I don't think so. I mean, uh, Actually, that's arguable. I'd say in season one when Kat got arrested. Ah, well, I think that that is kind of the same thing, really. And Kat kind of articulated that about herself in the end of this episode when she said, like, I am impulsive. And what I liked the most was when Ki- when Tia, I was going to say Kia. <laughs> when <laughs> when Tia, yeah, it's adorable. Um, when Tia said, but you didn't affect change. Yes, you did that. You did punch somebody in the face who said something very racist and completely xenophobic but at the same time nothing changed and i think that that's where tia was coming from like we can make a bigger impact if we don't address this single issue but we 
make it a part of our platform absolutely yeah so go tia yeah what about you what was your favorite part um my favorite part is related to that actually the whole entire scene with racist rachel or canvassing kathy like that scene is just so uncomfortable and i loved it just because of that because i just loved how raw it was and how true life that is i would say oh yeah i mean if anybody um any of our listeners have watched the videos of actual white women doing this i mean it is pretty on point yeah so and i really like that part when um we get to see it through tia's like camera lens yeah also shout out to the white actress whose name i don't know but she did a really really good job of playing that role (laughs) you you make a a really great racist hey i mean you know what that's i'm assuming that because she's working on the show that she is not (laughs) so to be able to play it effectively and get the role across so that this was such an uncomfortable scene is pretty awesome yeah no she did a great job on that just i also like too that like you know it's not like she threw out the i mean i don't think the n-word would even be allowed on 34 but it's not like she threw out the n-word it's not like she was like oh you black girls are loitering here or something like that like you know it's not like explicitly stated as racist but it definitely it definitely is racist but it's not like well, it was, face it, it was really just the comment about, like, I know, I can tell that you're not from here. Yeah, and then she got offended for being called a racist. So, I don't know, I just feel like that's, like, really realistic for how racist people actually are at the end of the day. Oh, if there's one thing racist people hate being called, it's racist. Yeah. It's <laughs> so. <get> so offended. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's ridiculous, but yeah. So, okay, again, we're pretty much on the same page. Yes. Who was your best dressed? Um, Cammy. Oh, okay. I just love the leather jacket. I love their <laughs> I love their t-shirt underneath. I love their haircut. I just love, love, love it. I kind of want to get that haircut. I don't think I can pull it off because mm. my hair's too curly. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, I think your hair's your yeah. I think so. <laughs> yes. But it doesn't unless I just try. like went out of my way to like straighten. And I used to straighten my hair. Wow, that's such a nuisance to do daily, though. So, yeah, it really, yeah, it really was. Especially, like, you know, with the texture of my hair. It's awful, yes, but... it's also not good for your hair. I'm just... Yeah, no, it was terrible. I had, like, really bad split ends and everything by the time I finished doing it, so... So live vicariously through Cami. Who was your best dress? <laughs> oh, my best dress was Alex in his sweatpants, because... <laughs> And, and I, like, this is serious. My reason for this is, okay, so you work in a professional setting at a magazine and you had your clothes ruined because your ceiling collapsed, like, totally get that. But you just didn't think to go to the store and get a pair of dress pants or, like, anything. Like, I just thought it was, like, really funny how you were just like, yeah, I'm just gonna go in what I got. Like, I'm not going to go purchase something else. I'm just going with what I got. Why would you care at the end of the day? <laughs> no, but it's funny to me. Like, I, I respect it. I'm not trying to talk shit. I just think oh, like, okay. I'm saying that, like, me personally, I probably would have gone to a store and bought a work outfit. But honestly, no shame. Like, hey, you're being dealt a bad hand right now. So Yeah, but it just, like, it seemed to me like there was a gap in time, like, where you could have just gone to the store. But, like. No, I wouldn't have went to the store. I would have just explained, you know, I just explained to my coworkers, like, hey. <laughs> It's just funny because it's a fashion magazine. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's just ironic. So (laughs) I respect it. And also everybody, like, I really just wish I could wear sweatpants to work. So, yeah. I have a job like that. (laughs) Oh, well, excuse me. (laughs) It's lovely. (laughs) 
I do love that. I'm pretty sure Scarlet doesn't actually have a dress code. I'm pretty sure the people dress nice there just because of like, you know, they get access to all like the fancy clothes and everything like that. So of course you're going to wear the fancy clothes if you have access to it. I'm pretty sure you can just show up in a jeans and a t-shirt though, you know? No, I mean, most places like you can, unless it's explicitly stated somewhere, but it was just a funny scene for me. And also I thought it was funny how they like made it seem like he was completely unkempt. Like it seemed like they made his facial hair a little off and like this, that, and the third. Yeah. And I'm like, but this was like a one night situation. Like, I don't think that he's like not showered for three days and came in in sweatpants. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we don't know like the Again, we don't know the timeline. For all we know, he could have, you know, it could have happened last night. Well, that's what I just, thought. But and then he woke up in the morning. And he's like, well, fuck, I don't have, I can't shower here now or. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Never mind. I just think it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you're challenging me a lot on this, so now I don't know. I I just like that he wore sweatpants, and I think it's great. (laughs) You're like, he had time to shop. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I guess it's just funny because I I just never would have thought to do that. Gotcha. So I I just respect his game. You wouldn't be secure enough to wear sweatpants to work? No, but maybe maybe I should. I mean, now, no, I definitely can't. But, like, maybe I should feel comfortable if, like, I yeah, ever just need exactly. to do that. To just, just show up to work and be like, hey, listen, got fucked over. <laughs> and my job would be like, okay, go home. <laughs> but it's fine. So who do you ship this week? Well, can I ship Alex and Jane? I, I have them as my ship, too, oh. so yes. Okay, well, I want to <laughs> ship them because I really think they're going to make Why wouldn't you roommates? be able to ship them? Why because- you ask? Because I'm feeling insecure now about my best dressed, and I'm just feeling insecure. So I'm sorry about that. That's my own stuff. Yeah. I'm shipping Alex and Jane because I think they're really cute as roomies. Yeah. Same. Not much else to say. I just think that they're going to make a good pair for that. I'm excited to see more of Alex. And Yeah, thank goodness. I thoroughly <laughs> enjoy him, and I want more of him on the show. Yes. So this is just an excuse to get more Alex. We love you, Matt Ward. How about you? Oh, you ship him. And Jane. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we do the same thing. For the same reasons? Yeah, same reasons. So cool. We're in agreement. Moving on. <laughs> okay, so how does this episode inspire you to live your bold type life? I'm just going to go back to basically what Kat learned. Just like, think hard about the message you want to try to convey and think about the consequences. You know, think before you speak. It's so simple and so lame. <laughs> but think before you speak. Yeah. I personally think I struggle with that as well. I'm not. I tend yeah, to be you do. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> I do tend to be a bit impulsive and uh, pretty strong in what I say, so I can relate a lot to Cat. So yeah, that's good advice. Cool. Is that your lesson now, or honestly, yeah, but you know, <laughs> yeah, but I was kind of going to relate it back to me, like going to law school. And oh yeah, do it, do it, Just you know, thinking about how you know, as a lawyer, I really do want to affect change, but like on what level and in what way, you know, it just kind of made me think a little more about that and the best way to do it. And who knows, maybe one day I could be a city councilwoman. That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah. So Kat's just an inspiring lady and Tia is an awesome campaign manager. And if I ever do decide to be a councilwoman, I hope I have somebody like Tia in my corner. Just hopefully the stuff that's said in this podcast is going to hurt your chances. <laughs> Well, if it does, then they probably wouldn't have voted for me anyway. (laughs) My platform has pretty much already been decided, and everyone who's listened to this would already know it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right. You can follow The Bold Talk on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Bold Talk. 
And you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes so that other people can find us and we can feel really good about our show. You can also email us at theboldtalk at gmail.com if you have a question or a comment. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. You can follow me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. That's Rodriguez with a G and a Z. Jeremy is spelled J-E-R-E-M-Y. Instagram is the same with an underscore at the end of it. I'm Sam Saf. You can follow me on Twitter at samsaf3 and on Instagram at samamarie3. That's S-A-M-M-A-Y-M-A-R-I-E-3. We'll catch you next time for our discussion of Season 3, Episode 8. Till then, go unleash holy hell.